Hello again, lovely Block Ones. Uh, Professor Ryan here to talk to you about GI assessment. Now, before we go um, assessing our patient, let's get some data collection from them. So, let's ask them some subjective, and then we can actually go and look at our objective data, okay? So, we're going to ask our patient if they have any nausea or vomiting. That's what N slash V stands for, is nausea vomiting. Um, are they having diarrhea or any constipation? Flatus is the fancy medical term for a fart. So you're going to be asking your patient um, if they are uh, having regular flatus uh, because that is a good indication of motility of the GI tract. Um, if your patient has any history of heartburn or GERD, which is gastroesophageal reflux disease, um, gas or indigestion, uh, food intolerance or allergies, that's a really good thing to know um, as well, especially if your patient's like lactose intolerant or they have a true gluten allergy. Any history of uh, rectal bleeding, because uh, that could be indicative of uh, hemorrhoids, whether they're internal or external. Uh, LBM, you're going to see this a lot, uh, so get used to this acronym. Uh, last bowel movement. Uh, so you always want to make sure that you're asking your patient when their last bowel movement was because that, again, just like when you're asking them about flatus, that's a good indicator of GI motility is when did they last poop. Um, any history of GI-related diseases um, like peptic ulcer disease, um, any history of uh, surgery like uh, stomach stapling or a root and Y surgery, um, that's uh, more often called bypass surgery. Uh, if they've had any uh, appetite issues or recent weight loss, um, elimination pattern that talks about how often they poop and um, what their what their pattern is, what their normal is. If they've had any uh, recent abdominal pain or distension, meaning that their abdomen just gets really big. Uh, and then dysphagia, that means uh, difficulty swallowing foods. Uh, this is super important with our elderly population as well. Um, they, there's actually something very terrifying called silent aspiration. And this is where uh, patients don't know that they are actually breathing in uh, food and drink into their lungs. And um, yeah, it's really, really bad news bears with that one. And then, any, and then any medications that they are uh, on, including um, over-the-counter drugs such as uh, any antacids or laxatives. So these are the abdominal quadrants. Um, most commonly use the four quadrant method to identify location of assessment findings. So what you do is you just simply divide the abdomen in four quadrants by drawing a line vertically from the xiphoid process, which is the little nub that is on the uh, bottom aspect of the sternum, uh, to the symphysis pubis and horizontally through the umbilicus, which is the belly button. And this is just kind of showing you uh, that cross-section of abdominal quadrants and what organ is in each quadrant. So just as, a, um, as an example, so right lower quadrant pain, um, 
we automatically always think of appendicitis because that, that is very uh, common in that right lower quadrant area. Right, and then something else that we are going to be assessing for uh, while we're doing our assessment is peristalsis, which is um, the act of digestion and the motility of food. Um, it's the muscular contraction that occurs in the digestive tract to propel food from the esophagus to the, summit, the stomach and through the small and large intestines to be eliminated. So the examination of the abdomen differs in sequence from all the other body systems because we want to make sure that we auscultate before we palpate or percuss or actually even really touch the stomach. And why do we want to do that? So percussion and palpation stimulate the bowel, which can increase peristalsis, which will then alter the bowel sounds. So when we auscultate our patient's abdomen, we're actually listening to peristalsis happening through these, usually it's the large intestine, but um, through the small and large intestine. So we want to make sure that we look and listen before we feel, uh, especially with the abdomen. And it's also a really good idea to have your patient go urinate before you're doing an abdominal assessment, especially if you're going to percuss or palpate. And fun fact, uh, stomach sounds have another name. They're actually called borgimi. Okay, so first we're going to inspect. So we're going to visually look at the abdomen. Uh, we're going to look at the contour and symmetry. Like I told you, we're obsessed with symmetry. Um, it can be flat to slightly rounded, depends on the amount of adipose tissue your patient has in their abdomen, but is it symmetrical? They're, they're not, they don't have one huge side, uh, you know, there's not something um, protruding from one quadrant, just making sure that everything looks nice and symmetrical. Um, looking for at the skin condition and the color, um, assessing for any scars or bruises, rashes, especially looking at the umbilicus or the belly button, um, making sure that that's flat and um, there are no protrusions because that could indicate an umbilical hernia, which is the intestines popping out uh, through the abdominal wall. And then um, inspecting the anus and rectum for skin conditions and hemorrhoids. That's usually not done by a nurse. That's usually done by a higher level provider or a physician. Um, however, if the hemorrhoids are external, we can do a um, you know visual inspection of the the anus from the outside. We don't do an internal inspection. That is for the um, higher level provider. Okay, so now that we've inspected, we're going to listen uh, to bowel sounds. We're going to listen to the uh, small and large intestine. And bowel sounds are high-pitched, irregular gurgles or clicks. Um, you want to make sure that you are listening in each quadrant. So you're going to listen um, in four different places in the abdomen. Um, they're usually heard between 5 and 15 seconds. Um, and then you want to make sure that you're proceeding in an organized manner so that you're, you're assessing in the same 
rotation every time, like you always start in the right upper quadrant and then move clockwise. Clock oh my, clockwise. <laughs> and then if you're listening to vowel sounds and you don't hear any, the minimum auscultation time for uh, each quadrant is five minutes. So you're required to listen to each quadrant for vowel sounds for at five minutes if you're not hearing any vowel sounds. So most um, healthy patients are going to have active bowel sounds and they're heard about every five to 15 seconds. Um, hyperactive bowel sounds are loud and rushing and they are very, very frequent, um, almost constantly it seems like. Um, and then hypoactive bowel sounds are soft and infrequent, um, heard less than every 15 seconds or approximately once a minute. Um, this could be a lot of patients have hypoactive bowel sounds right after surgery because anesthesia slows all of those processes down in the body. Um, and then especially if you had abdominal surgery, uh, the colon can take uh, up to three to five days sometimes to resume normal functioning after abdominal surgery. Um, absent bowel sounds are no bowel sounds uh, after five minutes of continuous listening. And that is that's not a great assessment to find on your patient. Um, that could that could indicate a bowel obstruction, meaning that there is something that is stopping the bowel from uh, moving all the way down to the anus. Um, that could be a sign of peritonitis, which is an inflammation in the abdomen, the peritoneum, uh, which is the tissue that lines the inner wall of the abdomen. Um, that also could be um, an ileus, which is basically the bowel gets sleepy after surgery if we don't stimulate it enough, and then it just kind of go like, well, I don't need to, they don't need to use me, so it just kind of goes to sleep, um, and that's called an ileus. So we want to make sure that we're getting our patients up and ambulating, especially after surgery, because this is one of the most preventable. Um, complications of surgery or being in the hospital or immobility in general. So make sure that you're getting your patients up and moving and pooping. So after we've listened to the bowel sounds, we're going to um, palpate the abdomen. So nurses do not usually do deep palpation, kind of what we talked about higher level providers can palpate your liver or spleen and that's not really in the scope of the bedside nurse but we can do light palpation throughout the abdomen to assess for tenderness pain any masses lumps firmness or guarding meaning the patient has um, so much pain in their abdomen when you press on a certain spot that they're like oh no get away and they they kind of tense up and turn away from you so these are normal abdominal findings um, usually the skin is going to be pale and that's okay uh, because the abdominal skin doesn't get a ton of sun. Depends on your patient, but not usually. Um, striae is your stretch marks and that can be normal depending on your patient. Um, it, the abdomen should be symmetrical uh, with a rounded contour. Uh, the abdomen should be soft to palpation and non-tender, and the patient should have active bowel sounds in all four quadrants. 
So some abnormal GI findings are abdominal distension. And I'm actually gonna click to that slide really quick. This is abdominal distension. So that is a buildup of fluid or air, um, depending on what disease process your patient has going on. Um, a lot of patients with liver failure um, will get abdominal ascites, which is our next slide, our next uh, point. And that is a fluid buildup in the abdomen. And they actually have to go get that drained. Um, and that procedure is called a paracentesis. Fun, fun fact, um, I had a patient once who had the most drained out that I've ever seen in my 10-year career of being nursing, which isn't that long, but I've seen a lot of patients. And he had 12 liters in his abdomen. 12 liters. So that's six extra two-liter pop bottles in his abdomen. And that was like a regular every four or five day occurrence that he had to go have that drained, which is kind of crazy to me. Like, I don't understand how that all fit in there. But anyway, uh, splenomegaly, that means that the spleen is enlarged. Uh, any hernias, whether it be umbilical hernia or uh, inguinal hernia, that means down in the groin. Um, I have some other slides for that in a hot minute here. Uh, hematemesis, that means bloody vomit. That's uh, pretty much obviously not good. Um, dysphagia, that is that difficulty swallowing food. Constipation and diarrhea. And then dyspepsia, that is um, issues with, you know, GERD or I'm, I'm having... Um, Dyspepsia is that fancy word for indigestion, which can include bloating, gassiness, feeling too full, or a burning sensation. And then N slash V, which is nausea vomiting. So here's abdominal distension again. And then here are some different types of hernias. So on the right-hand side, that's an umbilical hernia uh, around the belly button. And then the top picture is an inguinal hernia in the groin area. And then the last but very not least thing that we want to assess with our patient is um, their stool and elimination pattern. So we want to ask them if um, they've been having any abnormalities in the color of their stool or consistency. Um, so color, let's see, dark stool could indicate that they're either on an iron supplement or that they have digested blood um, and that we might want to test their stool for the presence of blood. Consistency, if they're having, um, you know, bouts of diarrhea, um, that could indicate a bacterial infection um, or some other sorts of infection. Um, frequency, uh, let's see what the, what is that patient's normal? Because some patients poop once a day, some patients poop three times a day, some patients poop once every three days, and that's their normal. So we need to know what their baseline for pooping is and what their normal is so that we can kind of tell if there is an abnormality there, okay? And that kind of goes along with patterns, what I was talking about. So always make sure that you're asking your patient that uh, when their last bowel movement was and are they passing flatus and um, what we asked one last time they pooped are they passing flatus and then listening to their bowel sounds as well 
Okay. I used to make the joke of the morning assessment um, right after the patient eats breakfast and I'm, I'm doing my nine o'clock assessment that I'm listening to their abdomen. I'm like, oh, I can hear breakfast in there. And, oh, it was always a big hit with the, with the older population. So, all right. So make sure that you review this video and the supplemental reading and then come to the online review with any questions that you have. Thank you.